0: Well hello everybody and welcome to the second episode of the MAX podcast. My name is Steve Schaber. I'm the manager of service training for MAX, the Mobile Air Climate Systems Association. And I'm here today with Peter Cole, president and COO of the association. Hello well, Peter.
1: Good afternoon. It's uh, a beautiful day here outside of Philadelphia.
0: Beautiful day in Lansdale.
1: 75 and sunny and finally the rain's gone. Yep. I'm excited.
0: So today for our uh, podcast, I thought we would discuss a topic that's come front and center uh, to our little sector of the air conditioning industry, and that's the U.S. AIM Act of 2020. Mm. But of course, we're not going to discuss the entire AIM Act. No. That would take more time than we have. (laughs)
1: Because it's like thousands of pages.
0: Thousands of pages. Um, But uh, what I wanted to do specifically was talk about um, a new rule, a proposed rule that EPA put out, back in December of 2022. So as part of this new rule, uh, this NPRM, Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, EPA's making a big push to get rid of R134A. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you about that. What are they doing to, what are they doing and why are they doing it?
1: Well, back in, in 2006, the Europeans decided that 134 a was bad for the environment and that they were gonna get rid of it. So by, what was supposed to be 2011 ended up being 2017 or something like that. Uh, the Europeans said can't use 134a in a mobile air conditioning system. Can only use something other than that or less uh, global warming potential of less than 150. So they didn't and tell us what we had to use. No, nope. just that we had to use something else. That's correct. Right. Couldn't that no, we couldn't use 134a, and uh, so that was we commonly refer to that as the GWP 150 rule. And so finally in December, the U.S. decided, hey, we kind of like that rule. Let's put that rule in place. And it makes kind of sense because here in the U.S., we've been using an alternate to uh, 134A or 1234YF for a number of years, primarily in light light duty cars and trucks. And they've now said, we're now going to make it a rule that... Uh, effective and there's a date schedule associated which I'm sure we'll get to but there's a uh, between 2025 2026 2027 somewhere in there uh, that not only can I not use 134a in light-duty passenger vehicles and light-duty pickup trucks but I also can't use it in other applications medium and heavy-duty right and that's really the big change we're accustomed to 1234YF in the passenger car market. That's kind of the, the, the catch-22 here, is um, we need to, to get those folks moving along so that they can comply with the rule. But remember, it is just a notice of proposed rulemaking. It's not a rule yet. So they gave everybody till, I don't know, roughly the end of January to make comments.
0: Right, January um, 30th, I think, was the date in the NPRM. Lots
1: of comments. Um, I don't think anybody's super pushing back against doing it. I think the bigger pushback is against the time frame in which they need to do
0: it. Yeah, that's mostly what I heard from uh, our members in the heavy duty industry, so what we call heavy duty, the off-highway and con-ag, construction and agriculture. Yep. It's the, not that they're opposed to doing it, they actually went on their own and asked the EPA for permission to use YF in their vehicles. Right. Um, which went over when uh, that whole process actually went pretty smoothly, sure, um, but then when EPA came out with this NPRM kind of took everyone by surprise, like, "Hey, wait a minute, we weren't planning on this, right and you know how it is in manufacturing, everything goes by plan, right um, So I think the timing was just a little probably could have been discussed a little bit better to uh, find out what can actually be done in the factories, in the assembly lines mm-hmm. around the country uh, to make that process go a little bit smoother.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I think, uh, I think that'll be the challenge is the timing. It's not they don't want to do it, it's not the technology is super different. Right. Um, it's really just design changes. How long does it take to, to move that rock, if you will, if we're talking about uh, one of those big trucks that's uh, hauling rocks out of a, a mine or something like that. Um, How long does it take to move these vehicles along and and do appropriate designs and do all of the related uh, safety um, uh, Surveys the safety tests the risk assessments to make sure that uh, that they design the systems properly right Um, and this is this is one of the what I'll call the three-headed monster related to this And we're not going to get into too much into the other two, but it's important to kind of touch on them. One is the allocation rules for 134A about uh, reducing the available supply of 134A over time. And then the second one is looking at making sure that we recapture and we make the best use of HFCs or 134A that are already in the market. So that we can extend the supply as long as we can, even though they're trying to get rid of it, they recognize there's some need to have it for some period of time, and uh, so those are the, the the three things: the the reduction in supply, the recapturing of as much as we can, and what we're talking about today is the GWP 150 rule.
0: Right, the phase down part. Yep. Right. So uh, we put out a, a Max blog uh, back at the end of last year that kind of covered this topic, and um, in here it has uh, a list of what the different vehicles were. So what each subsector of our industry, uh, what each of those subsectors are, and when they're going to be when this rule would apply to them. Right. So on the light duty side, um, in in my view, it kind of this rule is EPA telling the light-duty manufacturers, that now you're going to be required by law to do what you're already doing. Because mm-hmm. like you said, we already changed over to YF on these vehicles back 2015, right? pretty much. right. So these vehicles are already using it. So basically, F-150s, 1500 pickups, on down to small passenger cars, they're basically already changed over.
1: But it's important to know why they're already using it. Partly because there's a European rule, but partly because they were getting CAFE credits to be able to use thirty-four yf kind of in the beginning. And I think the NPRM makes those CAFE credits go away. And it basically says this is mandatory now that you'll have to do it. And you're not going to be able to do it just because you're getting credits. But I think everybody would stay with it anyway, um, even without the credits.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard. There was uh a... a meeting down at EPA, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. And it was actually during the time when one of EPA's prior roles uh, was challenged in court. And the discussion came up of, you know, well, if we don't have this mandatory rule in place which says you can't use HFCs after 2021, well, then everyone's gonna switch back to using HFCs instead of using YF.
1: Right, especially if they get rid of the CAFE credits.
0: Well, that was the whole thing. Yeah. One of the manufacturers said, no, we're not going to switch back because this rule, this 2021 rule, right. uh, it's not the reason why we're doing it. We're doing right. it for the cafe credits. Right. That was where, I guess, if you want to put it, that's where the money was for the car OEs. That's right. Right, right, right. right.
1: And the systems are so similar that um, they had determined and, and, and they had infrastructure there already because at, the, at that point in time, when uh, those rules were being challenged in DC the majority of car manufacturers were still making some cars with 134a and of course we've seen that go away as as we've often talked about going to the Philly car show and so forth that you uh, you would only see things that started with a 2 like an F250 or 350 or a Silverado 2500 that still had 134a everything else had been shifted over
0: right uh, and that is a good segue into our next uh, subcategory of vehicles: medium duty. So, medium duty passenger vehicles, uh, heavy duty trucks, but you know, not on-road truck, heavy duty pickup trucks, uh, complete vans. You mean um, not
1: off-road trucks?
0: Not off-road, but also not on-road. on-road not heavy-duty on-road like Class Eights, Class like, Seven, Class Eight tractor trailers. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, you know, class six dump trucks, right. uh, school buses, you know, big heavy duty vehicles. Those aren't included in this particular part of the rule. Um, but again, five or six years ago, some of these vehicle manufacturers applied the EPA to get SNAP approval. Sure. Basically, basically the, thought, the, um, the thought pattern back then was, well, if I'm building F-1, say, use Ford for an example, yep. if I'm building the F-150, on the same assembly line as the F-250, yep. same assembly line as the F-350. Yep. To do that, I have to have two completely different, separate air conditioning charging stations, one for 134A and one for YF. Right. And they wanted the option yep. to use one or the other. Yep. So they applied for it. They got snap approval. But they never actually switched the vehicle lines over. Right. They kept building F-150s or 1,500 pickup trucks with YF while they're still using 134A in those medium duty trucks.
1: Yeah, but they had the approval. And once they had the approval, that allowed them to determine what design differences they might need, which really wasn't anything significant between a 150 and a 250 for an air conditioning system. Yeah, they're basically the same. But what design differences they need so that they would be ready when the time came and they were ready to switch or they were being pushed to switch, which is a little bit different than, those other classes of vehicles that where those manufacturers generally weren't manufacturing anything with 1234YF. And while they'd kind of pushed to get snap approval for the refrigerant, they really didn't have a baseline to start with. And so they have a lot of infrastructure they have to work with.
0: Right. Yeah. So, um, So now this rule, the proposal is that they're gonna require Uh, not using HFCs in these medium-duty trucks uh, and these limited types of heavy-duty pickup trucks. Mm -hmm. So basically, they applied for it, they got permission, they never switched. Now EPA is going to make them switch over to YF. Yeah,
1: and I'm always fascinated by the concept of medium-duty because um, out where I live, out in Amish land, first of all, note... Amish horse and buggies are not listed as requiring to change away from 134A. Do they have air conditioning? They do. They have, <laughs> Really? They, they, they have that 8-mile-an-hour air conditioning yeah, they where have. they kind of roll the windows down, right? But um, But out where I am, an F-250 is a passenger car. I mean, it's not a
0: work truck. They're so common.
1: It's are so common, right. So, so I don't think that that change for those folks is gonna be a, a difficult challenge at all. Yeah. But there are some folks that are concerned. And I, I think you're, you dive into that world a little bit. Um, we were having a conversation the other day about folks who, who have a model and that model or model year really isn't a model year. Right, It's like we make the same dump truck for 15 years,
0: right? That's and actually a little bit further down in the list here um, So we basically you know this blog we covered the five different subsectors that are Addressed in this NPRM. Right. So you got passenger cars. We know most of them are already switched over anyway So not really a big deal um, but the rule says that by 2025 model year which basically starts in 6 months, right? Middle of 24.
1: Yeah, for um, most people, sure.
0: You're going to have uh, you're going to have to switch those over. Yep. Um, medium duty pickup trucks. Uh, I think this was the same year, 2025. This is the class of vehicles you're talking about. So, construction and agriculture. Yeah. Because they applied on their own. The yep. the Con Ag group applied for five, actually further five subsectors of different types of agricultural and construction equipment. Mm-hmm to be approved. So I forget what all the categories were. It was like, uh, you know, small tractors, tractors under 40 horsepower, of course, tractors over 40 horsepower, um, construction equipment. So uh, you know, like this wind here, this got approved uh, to use YF back in 2018. Um, but that rule became final in 2021. Well, they never changed the lines over. Right. They just wanted to be allowed to do it kind of like Ford and GM and Chrysler and Nissan They wanted to be allowed to use YF in their medium-duty trucks
1: But you know one of the things that's interesting is, is we speak kind of a different language than than some other folks And we have a lot of friends who speak at a level that's like way up here compared right. to us, but It wasn't really the ve- <coughs> The vehicle that got approved it was the application that the got application, approved, right? So you don't have to apply to have your, your, your particular vehicle, your Silverado 2500 approved. It's medium duty as a class. And in this case, this class and then this subclass got, was approved to use 1234YF. Right. So uh, each manufacturer didn't have to go to apply for their vehicle. They just said, hey, we fall into this class It's already been approved for this
0: class we're good to go when we want to go. Right, and I think what you're talking about is more like what the vehicle manufacturers do with highway safety. Yeah. Where every model, every, not every model, every platform has to be. Has
1: to go through all the rigorous testing. And they don't have to do that in this case. They just kind of group them all together and they say, hey look, if you're a school bus, doesn't matter who's, who's making you you're a school bus, you fall into that category, this refrigerant's allowed to be used in your application.
0: Right, and that's actually one of the categories that's uh, being worked on right now, um, which is not part of, it's not part of this, notice of proposed rulemaking, but when, I guess if you look at the whole of mobile air conditioning, so we already have passenger cars, we already have medium duty trucks, we already have this farm equipment, we already have these five subsectors that are approved, but um, like the last, basically the last paragraph says there's not yet been a proposal to limit the use of HFCs in other types of HD vehicles. Mm-hmm. So class four through eight, it's not allowed. Right. You're not allowed to use YF in that. Um, also buses, so uh, you know your large transit buses. Um, School buses mm-hmm. and specialty vehicles. You're not allowed to use YF in those right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but there's two studies going on, two SNAP approval projects. One that's for class four through eight vehicles, and that one that work is being done, um, you know, through a consortium of those manufacturers trying to get approval. So think of like uh, you know Daimler trucks, yep. right, Freightliner. Um, those manufacturers are looking to get those SNAP approvals done so they can use YF in those trucks. Right. Um, and I think that's the group that's gonna slice out school buses. Mm-hmm. Um, transit buses haven't been looked at yet. So there's a whole another a third yet category that has to be worked on.
1: But but you know, my experience with some of those transit buses is some of them uh, were running R22 systems, some of them were running like 407F yeah. systems, and You have to remember that you've got some of those vehicles, and I'm no expert in this category, you know a lot more than I do, that's for sure. Um, But they have two separate systems. They might have a system that's running a compressor off of the engine, and then they have a secondary system that's like a rooftop system or something that's doing a lot of passenger cooling uh, there. Right. And so some of those applications haven't been qualified, but they also aren't running 134A, they're running 407 or F right. for some other or 22, like re- you said. Re- refrigerant uh, out there, Steve. I don't know if if, if we have time, but you want to if you just do a quick search on EPA one five zero space GWP, maybe we can pull up that uh, that um, a document, the fact sheet, maybe there, and scroll. I think you go down, and you can see a chart. And I, I wanted to show the chart because... The consumption chart? No, not the consumption chart. The, uh, I think it's... Yeah, the, the rule chart. So if scroll back up and just kind of go all the way to the top right there. Yep. So this doesn't just cover cars. Right, exactly. motor vehicles or transport. You'll look at industrial process refrigeration systems... Um, retail food refrigeration and when you look at the proposed GWP limit it's important because depending on how you count your beans or what year you count your beans 134A's GWP is somewhere between thirteen hundred and ten and fifteen hundred and ten or something. Depending on when they calculated it. Yeah when they calculated it. But way outside the limits. So some of these are 150 some of these are 300 some of them are, are, um, are other numbers like 700 and so forth but it goes down to retail food refrigeration, vending machines, cold storage <laughs> warehouses, Even ice, ice rinks. rinks are covered. Yeah. right? And then when you continue going down, you'll get eventually to, um, there's residential um, and light commercial air conditioning and heat pump systems. Talk about a big one there, right? That is, that's that system that's bolted onto the side of your house and they've got a 700 limit. And
0: well, that yeah, so, makes me wonder. I mean, if their limit now is going to be seven hundred, what was the GWP of the refrigerant they were using before that?
1: Well, that's that's uh, we we I I think uh, I'm not positive if four hundred and ten A falls into that category or not, um, just because I don't know enough about that topic. But now we get to vehicle uh, light duty and and so forth, right? Kind of at the bottom of this, and then that gives us that chart with the proposed dates, right. not not the dates. But the proposed
0: proposed dates, dates right? Proposed because one dates. of the things I heard, and this is again going to the Con Ag manufacturers. So I mean, to put it to put it plainly, you know, the the thought from some of those manufacturers is that they they asked for approval and they got it, and then EPA came out and gave them a mandated date of when they had to change. Correct. And what they would have liked to have happen was if a little bit of prior notice was put out there saying, here's what we're thinking, do you think this would work or not? Right. Just have a little bit of dialogue because I don't think they're far off. Mm-hmm. So if you look here on the chart, so EPA says that, uh, you know, motor vehicle air conditioning for non-road vehicles, that's how they call, you know, farm tractors. Right. Um, GWP limit of 150 by model year 2026. So you got two things there. First of all, that type of equipment doesn't use model years. They may, like you said earlier, they may build the same D10 dozer for 18 years. Right. You know they don't. They don't change that often. Right. Um, so that's one thing. Um, but you know, so they have to change their whole assembly line—not the whole line—but they have to change the air conditioning charging station. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, in a lot of these vehicle assembly plants, they're not using a charge cart like we use in the shop. Mm-hmm. Not to say that some of them don't do that because I've seen them use I will just, just say it I've seen them use Robin Air charge carts right. on the assembly line to charge some of these, you know, very slow production vehicles. But a lot of them have a lot of them have fully installed AC charging stations like mm-hmm. what you would see in an automotive assembly plant.
1: Or or which can be part of a fluid filling station. A fluid filling station, right. It's not just AC, it just happens to have a connection for AC, and it might be filling oil, it might be filling, you know, any number of other things. Coolant, brake fluid. Especially things where they want to pull a vacuum so that they don't have any air in the system and then, you know, pump it in there fast and and so forth. yeah, yeah, and that
0: equipment's very expensive. It and is. to change it over from one refrigerant to another, it's, it's not as simple as disconnecting the one can, bringing in your new refrigerant right. and hooking it up.
1: Right. And, and as far as I recall, they're not using your basic uh, four and a half kg or 10 pound YF can filling those things no. up, right? They've got <laughs> Certainly bigger not. installations of fluid tanks somewhere on the property. Yeah. Um, And so then they have a whole set of OSHA regulations they have to deal with and environmental regulations for installing, things like that. So if they don't have that process started, that's really what's going to take a long time is to get all that set up, not really the design of
0: the system. Not the design of the system and probably even not the labor, you know, the installation of the pipes and actually running of the lines and bringing the new new cylinders over. It's going to be all that... Paperwork the architecture
1: and the and the paperwork and right all the environmental and the
0: safety because now you're talking I mean, I know like in the vehicle assembly plants, you know, they have isotainers. Yeah So how many pounds of refrigerants are are in an isotainer? Right thousands and so much
1: easier for the automotive guys the the light light duty guys because they already have that even if they have separate filling lines or separate, you know, diverting lines for their medium duty from their light duty, that tank is on site. They already have it They've already gone through all that uh, heavy lifting, if you will.
0: All the safety and the paperwork. Correct, right, right.
1: right. With either their local government or their state government, you know, that they might have to, to deal with. Right.
0: So I think, you know, just in my conversations, I think that if they had, if the proposal maybe was for 2027, and if it was a... Built as of date, mm-hmm. instead of by a model year. Right. I think that just would have gone over a little better. And I know that there were some comments made back to EPA during the comment period to that effect. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're now we're in this uh, uh, what, what would you call like you know the quiet period. Yeah. <laughs> so EPA puts out their notice, and then forty-five some odd days later, you have your comment period. And then you have the quiet time yep. where EPA can't comment, and you really can't comment to them, you know. No. So we're waiting for them to write it and put out their proposed rule. Correct. And then a second comment period will open after that. Correct. So. And
1: I, I expect, um, I, and I don't know, I don't have any personal knowledge other than my experience with uh, some of the EPA folks, but... Um, they're not unreasonable in in No, these cases. not at all. They may look at it and say, "Ah, oh, we didn't realize you had model. You, you know, don't didn't have model years associated with all these." So, we could modify the rule, and it might say model year 2026 no later than January 1st, 2026. Right. You know, so if you are using model years, then you have to comply with that, but no later than January 1st, 2026. So we don't know what that rule is going to look like, but it could be a modification, something like that, that, yeah. that kind of um, gives everybody a little more clarity.
0: Yeah, that's what I think we're going to end up with, too, yeah. because, you know, in reality, EPA doesn't really want to push these things on us without us, mm-hmm. us meaning the industry, mm-hmm. without us having the dialogue and the conversations with them. It's, it's, you know how it is, it's much easier to work together. Mm-hmm. So and that's how I think it's gonna go. And, and it may not be 1234YF.
1: No, I think it is. I mean, at least today, I think it is. That today, right. Because it's, it's, you have to remember, the rule says global warming potential greater than 150. And we mentioned it earlier. We're not gonna tell you what to use. We're gonna tell you to what be we less. can't use. Right. Right.
0: Right. right. Well, that's a great topic for another Max podcast
1: when uh, we talk about
0: future refrigerants.
1: Uh, and and one of our favorite words, PFAS.
0: PFAS, yeah, that's another one. PFAS. Yep. Which
1: neither you nor I are, are experts on. Maybe no. maybe that would be a great podcast to get one of our more involved PFAS friends.
0: Yeah. Someone who's one. a little bit closer to the subject especially maybe what's going put, on Put in their Europe. big
1: face on the screen Maybe Maybe have maybe them have right them here in the room with us. us. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: that would be cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway. so hey Peter, thanks for hanging out with
1: me today. Steve, it's always a pleasure um, Glad to be here with you. So I'm
0: Peter Call. and I'm Steve Shaver and we'll see you next time. Cheers All right, cool. I think that's a wrap